What's up, Pocket Dudes? Welcome to Pokemon Go to the Movies, the theatrical Pokemon release movie, I guess, even though this didn't debut in theaters in America. I'm your host, Dan Video Games, and with me is Bob. Pokemon Noise. From Gigaboots, Dr. Agro. By the pricking of my thumb, something shiftry this way comes. Chris Wolfart. Bath salts. And Shiba Yagato. It's not fair! <laughs> In today's episode, we watch Jirachi Wishmaker, uh, the incredible theatrical film about Jirachi, the wishmaking Pokemon, or as it's known in Japan, Wishing Star of the Seven Nights, Jirachi. I'm glad we finally have our two titles sort of in line with each other. Uh, it's been a little divided in the past. This is, this is about parody. Yeah. I like that the, the Japanese tale lets us know this is going to be a seven-day story. <laughs> <laughs> Let there be no mystery. Uh, even though the plot itself makes it pretty clear that that's the way we're going on this. But yeah, anyways, let's go ahead and get to it. We're going to recap the movie and then get to our segments this movie opens with yet another narration sort of montage reel, but this one's a little different. It's like showing off the different movie legendaries and specifically calls out Entei as being the stuff of our dreams, implying Entei <laughs> was never real. <laughs> I knew it. No! That's, that's so funny. It's real to me! Rip. Come on, Pokemon Scarlet Violet out here going, no, fuck you, more sweet coon. Yes, actually. Uh, it also sets up Team Magma's motivation stuff, wanting Groudon and uh, saying people with impure intentions are out to get Groudon. Then introduces Ash, who wants to be the greatest Pokemon master, and introduces his friends, one of which is definitely on a watch list. And it ends this intro narration by saying, The funny thing about wishes is that sometimes they do come true, so you should be especially careful about what you wish for, because you just might get it. And I don't know that this happens at all in this film. <laughs> feel like this warning is completely out of nowhere it has nothing to do like yeah that's what wishing stories often devolve into this one didn't well no the, it happens one time okay yes we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Th that is so minor <laughs> <laughs> but be yeah. careful though okay it could be really serious oh my god i wish for a pair of shoes and they're both left feet shoes anyways this film's about this guy who wishes for his dad to come back <laughs> It's like, yeah, the shoe <laughs> thing was kind of forgettable in the grand scheme of that. Anyways, after that narration, we get the fancy CG title drop bonanza we're used to in these Pokemon films. And then it actually begins. We have Brock, Ash, May, and Max? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Misty's already been vanished. <laughs> uh, May opens up by going, so where's the Millennium Comet anyways? And I'm like, ooh, Millennium stuff. We're really getting into it. Will there be some sort of puzzle? I do not know. Max says it won't appear for another 23 hours and 42 minutes. And May calls him a know-it-all when she asked for... I'd, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to May. Welcome to May. <laughs> what a strong introduction she has in the films. They all race off to the cliff to figure out where the Millennium Comet is and what's going on. And it turns out the celebration for the Millennium Comet isn't here yet. The valley is completely empty. They're a little confused by them being the only people out here. So they decide to camp so they can eat. They have a fireside meal and they start to sleep in their sleeping bags. And then out of nowhere, the well, first the narrator goes, hey, let me explain. The Millennium Comet appears once for seven nights every thousand years. And our main crew wants to be a part of this fun festival. It's a pretty about it. slow fucking comet. <laughs> I know. It just parks in our atmosphere. It sure takes its fucking time. No wonder it takes a thousand years to come back. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense now, now that you're pointing that out. Uh, their sleep, however, is interrupted by a caravan of trucks driving in. It's a fair sort of thing, so we're getting another movie with a dangerous fair ride for kids, I guess. <laughs> uh, we get lots of cool setting up the festival stuff, like Inflatable Waylord, that's possibly a bouncy castle, unclear. Oh, or Whale Myrrh, actually, because we see a blimp later that's a Whale Lord. Purple hair, fancy magician, steps off of the 18-wheeler and summons balloons out of nowhere. Later, we learn his name is Butler. His name sucks. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> I... <laughs> 
would anyone else be concerned about riding a roller coaster that's built and then tested for the first time within 24 hours <laughs> with no fasteners of any kind nothing bolted into the ground nothing got nailed together it's a thrill ride the thrill is not knowing if you'll come out the other end alive <laughs> like this is some straight up ray bradbury shit this is amazing look the pokemon universe has incredible health care people have become reckless that explains everything ash does <laughs> Yes, it does. This carnival really does tell you that, yeah, the, the Pokemon universe has a universal basic income and absolutely <laughs> flawless public health care. Because this entire circus set up for a once in a millennium week event rolled in here in the middle of the night with no crowd and just set up for this fucking festival. These people don't have regular jobs. <laughs> This was a passion project on a grand scale. They have obviously eradicated crime except for cartoonish cartels because 12-year-olds <laughs> are allowed to walk across the country. Mm -hmm. Butler's assistant, Diane, a lady wearing a red dress, uses her fans to start bouncing the balloons that Butler is summoning away. As she bounces them away, they all start to take a position and explode one by one into crates that self-construct the big tent. Then we cut to the next day. Ash is on a bumper car. While driving, Brock hits on a girl and crashes. Only Brock could crash twice at once. <laughs> we cut to the uh, fairway where the Rocket Trio are literally clowns and dodge the main cast who see a pamphlet for a show in the Big Tent, which they then go to. Butler summons Swablu out of his hat and sends them into the crowd. People go wild. This is because everyone is a big fan of Swablu, right, Bob? Uh, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> he then makes Curlia appear, ignites it into flames, and it turns into the red dress lady, uh, Diane, who is holding a purple rock. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, in this one, Gardevoir is a real woman. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> yeah, uh. That, uh, that was some disturbing imagery. <laughs> let's, let's take it away from that, because I have a little bit of voice actor trivia here. So, once again, they got uh, my Valentine's VA to play Diane. But this purple-haired magician, I spent the entire movie thinking and going, he sounds familiar. He sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure he's in Yu-Gi-Oh! at some point, but I don't know who. And then at the end of the movie, I look it up, and I'm like, that's fucking Joey Wheeler. <laughs> he's, he's, in, he's in, I think, all of the first five Yu-Gi-Ohs. <laughs> I think he plays somebody in all of them. He had fucking job security, I'll tell you what. I think we also need to mention that, like, this guy clearly has magical powers, no matter what he says about being a magician. But he decides the crux of his show is making Pokemon appear, mm -hmm. which is a thing that every human on the planet does with mundane technology several times a day. Yes. And he has a curly with teleport, whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it either. <laughs> you you would think he would have a couple other tricks, but um, we'll get to that. Max hears a voice telling him, wish the star. Brock, meanwhile, concentrated <laughs> eye on the goal goes, I want to have a job where I summon women. <laughs> uh, when, when, will, when will Brock be sent off to the farm with Misty? <laughs> it's a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cruel that Misty went before Brock, but anyway. The crystal starts communicating with Max directly yet again and says, Wishmaker, the comet. Max sees the purple crystal and then hears more. I wish you were here. Max then storms on stage and Ash tries to get him off of it. He's like, what are you doing? This We're going to get in trouble. Get off the stage. I'm sorry about him. He's like doing a thing and they, you expect them to explode. But no, Butler just goes, ladies and gentlemen, it seems we have some volunteers. And I'm like, these kids are going to die. <laughs> I, I just sat here watching this like, man, Ash cares more about Max than May does. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is the click here. That is the exact social relationship these characters have. <laughs> May's one talent, putting Max to sleep with her spell. But we'll get into that <laughs> later. Uh, Butler goes, you must be in show business because your timing is impeccable. And Diane goes, fellow magicians, what is your name? Ash goes, my name's Ash. And Max goes, and mine's Max the Great. And I'm like, why did he say that? <laughs> Little shit. <laughs> Butler goes, let's do it since you're obviously great magicians. Feast your eyes on Butler's burning box. You must simply escape the box before it bursts into flames. And Diane goes, that's your cue. And Max goes, but Diane, we're not really magicians. 
And Jesse goes, yeah, and we're not really clowns. <laughs> yeah. That's the best line of the movie. And I'm just like, yeah, you are. Yeah, right You're not that. aware of it, but you are. You're just lying to these kids. <laughs> and we're respectable adults. And no one will ever find you. <laughs> oh, no. I've seen this episode of Goosebumps. They're going to get in that box. They're going to disappear. Everyone claps. The next day, they're going to be marionettes up by the side of the fucking circus tent. Uh, Butler goes, if they're real magicians, then they should have no trouble easily escaping the burning box. To make it more interesting, they only have 10 seconds before Dusclops uses his hyper beam to blow it up. The countdown hits zero as Butler counts down. And right as Dusclop uses Hyperbeam and, you know, Ash and Max are losing their minds inside of the box. The inside ends up being some sort of like escape passage, like a platform flying downward that hurdles them underground to the entrance of the entire big tent. Butler calls attention. He's like, and there you go. They escaped. They're at the back. And Ash and Max look like they just crapped their pants. They're just standing there in shock that all of that happened. Why did they have to cut it this close to the hyperbeam? Because if one thing goes wrong, they're just obliterated on stage. Yeah, there, there's a reason the circus sets up in the dead of night, far away from populated areas. They're on the run. <laughs> they're just mildly rebranded so they could be a Millennium Fair. <laughs> in the middle of this fanfare of such an amazing tr magic trick team rocket steals pikachu with an extender claw grabby thing and seals him in a plastic ball uh mighty ina and curlia don't get anything fancy they just get a net and they start floating away in a hot air balloon butler's like yeah no that's not happening and has dust clops attack them to knock pikachu loose from the ball Pikachu lands on stage, fries Team Rocket, they drop the other two Pokemon, and it's like, okay, well, we took the Pokemon back, they're good now, right? And Butler's like, no magic show would be complete without a vanishing act. Dusclops, use Nightshade. <laughs> yeah, why would you start shit with somebody with a Dusclops? That's not like a, that's not a light hitter. I don't know, Team Rocket starts shit with everyone, except for, you know, occasionally when they fold and creep underneath the door frame to get out of the way. <laughs> I, I feel like they typically don't try to start shit with, like, gym leaders <laughs> who would just wax them instantly. Butler's like, for my next magic trick, and pulls out a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. That's the gun check, everybody. Yep. <laughs> I feel like they didn't solve anything. We just killed Team Rocket. No, it's cool, because after that, Max is going to pull the gun from his hand and shoot Butler, and now the movie Ooh. doesn't happen anyway. Is this the first time Team Rocket's done their Team Rocket stick during a movie? No, no, they usually say the blasting off again and no, they no, cut I'm it not, off early. Which, which I, part? The stealing Pikachu? Yeah, I mean the stealing Pikachu mm. and being bad guys. No, they have done that before. Yeah, at least once, but there was definitely, I feel like, the last couple they haven't. Yeah, the last couple they've been really out of work, as it were. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Butler, you know, has Dusclops use Nightshade. They blast off again, and May points out, everyone thinks Team Rocket was just a part of the show. <laughs> we move on. Lanoon roller coaster. We move on. Jiraki, Jirachi, Jiraki, <laughs> Jiraki, Jiraki. Uh, Jirachi awakens once every thousand years. The great Butler says, it's asleep in the crystal, and explains to wake from its slumber, Jirachi needs two things. The Millennium Comet to be visible in the night sky, and it needs a friend. May makes fun of Max for first hearing voices and then becoming friends with the Rock. And after Max <laughs> is given the Rock and happy about that, May gets jealous because she wants to hold the Rock. <laughs> so I see May has slotted in nicely into setting women back the same way Misty did. <laughs> is this why that meme took off from that scene in the anime? Where James and Ash are just really like, let's send those women back to the Stone Age where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> well, hmm. I don't remember May being this bad, but I guess it makes sense. Maybe now. she'll improve going forward. That's the hope. By the way, when a wizard hands you a rock and says, this talking rock is going to be your best friend, <laughs> that's, that's just lack of survival instinct on your part. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for the Pokemon movie when they get a fucking letter for Ash telling him that an unknown relative died and he gets all their inheritance if they can just stay the night in this one haunted mansion. 
He gets a letter going, the Prince of Kalos needs your help, Ash. You need to send him a small loan. Brock's like, look, normally I don't have to be an adult around you, Ash, but I'm going to stop you from doing this. I don't know how you do that particular scam in a post-scarcity economy, but all right. Huh. Hmm. They immediately visit the stands outside, and uh, they see somebody selling what the what it, it kind of looks like a dream catcher, but it has multiple folding leaves. And the guy at the stand calls it a wishing star. He says it works with the Millennium Comet, and it gives you one wish. All you have to do is each day, as a part of the week that the Millennium Comet is here, you fold down one of the seven parts, and you, if you do this, you will get your wish. Then, then our main cast as ADD and goes, fireworks, and the scene ends. <laughs> it's getting cloudy. They're worried they won't be able to see the comet tonight. Max says that him and Jirachi are going to be best friends. All the festival's lights turn off, the wind blows, the sky parts, and the comet becomes visible. They're in awe. May makes her wish with the wishing star. We don't get to hear it, but I assume it's, I hope people like me as much as Misty. <laughs> Impossible challenge. <laughs> <Happening>, sorry. <laughs> Max passes out on a rock he was hanging out next to and calls May his mommy while he's asleep. May does a lullaby and Max passes out completely. This is her spell. She will use it regularly. I assume every movie involves this spell. <laughs> Every episode, too. Gonna be fucked up when she grows up and has kids, and that's the spell that makes it okay for mommy to drink. <laughs> oh, no. The rock starts glowing, and Jirachi's voice comes out. The star. The star is calling me. Everyone can hear it, and Brock exclaims, It's telepathy! The rock levitates, glows, and turns into Jirachi, who looks like a me because its ribbons are wrapped around its legs. So it just had, like, a ball for a lower body. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember any lore about it. Oh, okay. It was ribbons. Got it. The great butler knew this is how it would all work out. And some weird devices pop out in the center of his big tent. He starts setting up a thing there. He has planned for this day. You can tell. Max asks, hey, Jirachi, can you really grant wishes? And Jirachi says, wishes? Everyone wants a wish. Max insists that he goes first since, you know, he's, he's best buds with Jirachi. It just makes sense. He wishes for candy. Nothing appears. He goes, I knew wishes couldn't be granted. And May goes, that's bullshit. I saw how excited you were for candy and how disappointed you are now. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah. And then he notices, wait a minute, there's candy in my lap now. Jirachi starts saying candy over and over and over as it robs a local stand owner of all of his candy. And that dude is freaking out. That is the worst day of his life. <laughs> he's like, God has descended to remove all of my well-being. I'm so beyond bankrupt now. Ash and May start fighting over Jirachi. They want they want to make a wish next, but Brock, being a very level-headed adult, says, uh, I want lots of girls. The van explodes in the tussle, though, and Butler and Diane show up to notice. The candy appears to be what that guy sells at that stand. May, however, completely buried by the candy, just pops out and eats it, and everyone looks at her like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, what? What's up? We cut to the stand owner, who is just beyond despair. May goes, okay. Jirachi, get rid of the problem. Jirachi goes, get rid of problem? Okay, wishes away, May. See, this is what happens when you let your baby onto YouTube and they immediately get sucked into the alt-right pipeline. <laughs> oh, no. Man, May really did not have a long run. Yeah, I, I assumed she was in a cornfield, but apparently she's just in the candy pile again. Yeah, it'd, it'd, it'd be funny if we just never saw her ever again in the whole series. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Remember when Max had an older sister? God, Max still just hangs out. Yeah, they just have Max for the rest of the time, and, and once every season, he just goes, I miss May. I hope she's okay. Upon May coming back to the crew by digging up out of the candy pile, Jirachi is exhausted, which is fair. Passes out because it's sleepy, leaving the main cast to carry all the candy back themselves, which sucks. Daytime. Get used to this. I'm going to have to call these out because we're going fast now. Jirachi is asleep in the van, wakes up to Max hovering over it. <laughs> Outside, Ash and Brock are clowns now. This is nothing new for Brock. And Max runs off with Jirachi to have fun at the theme park. Max and Jirachi are on a Ferris wheel. Team Rocket sees them from a hot air balloon and somehow know everything about Jirachi, including that its wishes are just teleporting stuff. 
they say, oh, we're going to get that Gerard Sheehan. That's an excuse enough for them to be in the rest of this film basically doing nothing. Dusk. Absol appears ominously. A piece of the backstage rigging equipment falls over on May, and she's like, oh my god, Max, help me. I need I need your help to keep this from crushing me. But Jirachi steals Max's glasses because Jirachi wants to play, so Max runs off after him, and the equipment falls over on May. She's fine, but really pissed. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't believe she dies twice in this movie. <laughs> this movie's final destination right. for May. <laughs> She's going to get up in the hot air balloon with Team Rocket for one second and it's going to ignite. <laughs> <laughs> Absol's going to show up and he's only the omen of disaster for her specifically. Everyone else is fine. It's just she's going to have a bad time. Yeah, Absol's a Pokemon that, that signs uh, ominous foreboding things. Oh, wait, I didn't finish reading this. For May. It's just for May Pokemon. Uh, So... She's pissed. Max finally catches up to Jirachi, puts his glasses on, and just hears Absol. They look at a mirror near them, and it explodes open like it's Shadowgate, and Absol starts attacking Max. Everyone wonders who that Pokemon is instead of immediately trying to save Max! <laughs> they explain, that's Absol, a Pokemon that appears before a great tragedy. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. A child is being attacked. Please go save it right now. That's the tragedy, Dan. <laughs> right. Love he like Absol appears before great tragedy. What's the tragedy that Absol's here? <laughs> right. Okay, so so here is what I, I, I have to cop to this. I was looking away at the moment Absol appeared. Mm -hmm. And the first thing Absol does is do its Pokemon cry. Mm -hmm. And I and I got I was like, who the fuck is saying bath salts? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so deep and slow. Yes. Basils. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, I absolutely hear it now. Uh, it really bugged me. I know this is Absol's design, mm -hmm. but it's so much. That's just a human face. <laughs> it's just straight up a human face. Well, well you know, that's kind of sort of what happens when you channel the, the look. Absol is the patron Pokemon saint of emo. Mm -hmm. So like, of course, it kind of edges into that a little bit i think it makes sense i don't know anyways after after having a good discussion about why absol might be here as it attacks a child they then go after the absol to save max may's torchic and ash's pikachu attack it doesn't it doesn't do enough jirachi says absol is here for me and then wishes away Torchic and Pikachu <laughs> several stories up into the sky yeah I don't know if we see Torchic again in the movie <laughs> oh no <laughs> I can tell you we don't see Torchic again in the movie because I was really excited and then Torchic disappears and I'm like damn it it's, it's a real shame that Jirachi wished away Torchic <laughs> yeah the great butler uses a trap door to drop Absol into a cage and Curlia puts it to sleep. I don't know why Curlia did that. May could do that herself. <laughs> Jirachi said Absol came for him, they say to each other. Do they know each other? What can you tell us, Jirachi? Jirachi goes, I am so sleepy. He goes back to sleep. <laughs> Nighttime! We're now back in the van. May runs out to the rock to continue the wishing star ritual, folding down another piece. She notices butlers leaving the bus with something. It's Jirachi. Inside the big tent, they go, I think Absol is here Is here to take Jirachi back to Farina, which at first I thought they said Purina, and I'm like, there's no way they named this place after a dog food. So I had to look it up. It is Farina, F-O-R. We shouldn't have taken him from there, says Diane. Oh, that's that's tragic, Diane. That's that's really where we fucked up. Absol's going to stab you to death to return it. <laughs> Jirachi is placed in a machine to face him towards the comet and channel his power. The great butler says when he sees the comet with his true eye, then he can absorb its powers and make his real wish come true. Flashback. The great butler was a team magma scientist. This, this sequence, this scene might be one of the funniest moments in a Pokemon movie to me because it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, he was a member of this terrorist group and he he had this plan and clearly this is done with Team Magma backing and he's on stage in front of this giant crowd of Team Magma members and he's like, I have a fragment of Groudon with this. 
I have a machine that can generate a living groundhog from it, and it immediately breaks, and the crowd just starts <laughs> making fun of him. <laughs> yeah, it's like the weird, like the evil Pokemon team equivalent of like Shark Tank. It, it, <laughs> it feels like a bad dream he's having. I know! Right? <laughs> yeah, and then he looks down and his clothes are gone. He's in his underwear. Like, wow, that's a living groundhog? Ha ha ha, you suck. Nice penis, by the way. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to Team Magma, Bro, why did you think this was going to work? You clearly didn't test it and apparently knew you didn't have a sufficient energy source. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? Uh, like this fossilized Groudon poop was going to make a Groudon, okay? I honestly believe that Butler is the inverse Jinkaria. He's never made a plan in his life. <laughs> Maybe he produced the uh defossilization machines but it's a legendary so it's it's too strong i need i need another legendary to shove in the battery compartment yeah maybe he thought it was something like like an omni he's like this works on omni why would it work on this fragment of a groudon <laughs> it did not work it explodes they make fun of the size of his penis <laughs> <And then laughs> he's like i'm going to get back at them in that flashback that definitely wasn't a nightmare when Jirachi's power to resurrect it. It's just like, you never worked for Team Magma. What are you talking about? She's like, I wish the normal butler would come back. You know, the one who didn't hallucinate a backstory. He, he keeps turning to her and going, I need Jirachi to wish for a bigger penis, Diane. It's not enough. Hopefully Jirachi works like a genie and he gets three wishes. <laughs> he loads the fragment into the machine, which makes a shotgun cocking sound. And he tells Jirachi to look at the comet already. And he threatens to have Dusclops attack if it doesn't. May tells everyone, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Butler just stole Jirachi. And they start running to the big tent to be like, what the hell is up with this? A beam of energy goes up to the comet from the machine and then it stays up there for a second. It comes back down and everything explodes. Max grabs a now wounded Jirachi and Butler says, wow, look at that energy. Now I just need to figure out what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Diane pleads Butler to stop and says she never wanted this. And as Max tries to get away with Jirachi, Butler tosses Diane off of him and makes Dustlux try to stop Max. But then they just fry him with Pikachu. Because that's what you do. It's like, oh, but just fry him with Pikachu. We're good. Jirachi wishes he was home in Farina. Except for he doesn't because his wishes are teleporting. And if he did that, he would be there already. <laughs> so he just says it out loud. Like, that would be nice. I wish I was in Farina. Maybe he cannot teleport himself. Only other things. If only this movie went into what wishes were. <laughs> because as it currently appears, it is the move teleport. Absol attacks Dusclops and runs off. It has escaped its cage. Butler goes, oh man, okay, you know what? I'm going to summon Mighty Ena. And I'm like, oh man, Mighty Ena has enough speed. It'll catch up and attack them. We cut outside. Team Rocket's bearing witness to all of this from a hot air balloon as the crew leaves in Butler's bus. Mighty Ena didn't catch up to them before they started driving off, but catches up to the vehicle and plants a tracking device on it. I'm like, damn, that's one smart dog. <laughs> yeah. The dog, like, assembles it in its mouth as it's running. <laughs> it, it's a held item. I just need some gum, and there we go. Perfect. <laughs> Wait, so he's a MacGyver? He's a MacGyver dog. <laughs> Diane explains Farina is where Butler found Jirachi. And then explains Butler's motivations and plan. Max says, hey, maybe he should find some other way to get revenge. I'm like, Max is pretty smart here. <laughs> uh, Butler watches on a tracking device and it unfolds a giant aircraft thing while being bitter that Diane doesn't understand his feelings. Daytime. There's a rough bus ride across the desert. It knocks the tra tracking device off. Nighttime. <laughs> May continues her unholy wishing star ritual. Ash, Max, and Jirachi are asleep. She runs into Diane on the bus, who explains that she knew Butler since they were kids. He always had a way of making me smile. We flash back to them as kids, where he does a magic trick, and kid Diane says, That was great, Butler. And he goes, Aha! That's a great name. The Great Butler. Because, you know, the great part is the part that I need explaining, not the fact this man's name is Butler. Thank you, flashback. Look, 
his parents were just one of those couples who give their child a quirky name and ruin their lives. <laughs> they were watching a popular sitcom, Butler, at the time, and they named him after the eponymous character, Butler. She hopes once the comet leaves, Butler can go back to normal. Daytime. Rocky Cliffs. They're driving along the edge of them. The crew is very scared of the steep drop, and Rocket eats noodles in a hot air balloon. That's cool. The bus gets stuck in a muddy pothole and they have to push it out. Nighttime. Another folded piece of the wishing star happens while Max skips stones across the water. Daytime. Max is sat in the bus. Jirachi doesn't understand. Nighttime. May folds another piece of the wishing star. It says only two nights left. Max gets mad about her counting the days down because Max is sad that he only has two days left with Jirachi. Ash tries to console Max by explaining that even though friends may be separate, they are still there with you. And he misses Misty because May is clearly no replacement for her. Yeah, I was like, this is probably written about Butterfree, but it reads a lot like it's written about Misty. <laughs> Daytime. The bus pulls up to a cliff. They look out on Forina, a vast expanse of forested rocky spires. Majestic, nay, whimsical music plays as Swablu fly by in flocks. Tropius eat berries, making a very funny sound. Vibrava fly by going, mmm, like the microwave turned on. And Nuzleaf says, Nuzleaf, while sitting in a tree. Nighttime. <laughs> May folds in another part of the wishing star. Max and Jirachi are playing pull the stick, which I guess is a thing kids do. May tells them to go to bed because they have a big day tomorrow. Max goes under the blanket with Jirachi and says, hey, here's the plan. After they go to sleep, we're going to wake up and play some more. But May gets the jump on them by using her ancient lullaby spell. <laughs> During this sequence, Brock is like nodding his head, which is either he's getting really into this song like it's a real jam or he's falling asleep. Because he's Brock, I cannot tell. His eyes are always closed. Daytime. Absol meets them on a trail in Farina and leads them. Dusk. They keep following Absol. Breloom, Lanoon, Electrike, Nuzleaf, and Flygon are all around. And they're like, that's great. All of those Pokemon say their name in, as a part of their cry, except for Flygon. And Max is polite enough to go, that's Flygon. <laughs> 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 the main cast enters a cave. Diane holds a lantern and follows Absol, who darts off into the darkness. They look upward at an opening that lets them see the comet from inside the cave. And Jirachi says, the star calls to me. Max cries and says, he doesn't want Jirachi to go away. Jirachi says he must. Diane explains that Jirachi is getting ready. He will open his true eye and absorb the energy from the Millennium Comet. However, every time they say Jirachi will open his true eye, I'm like, and he's going to sing one of the seven songs that ends the world because right? there's something truly ominous about this creature. Mm, yeah, the, the, the whole like open your true eye and, and the comet will give us power and <laughs> here, put on these white sneakers and drink this. <laughs> I mean, also just look at that design. His uh -huh. true eye is horrifying. It's most of his body mass, actually. Yes. Yeah, he, he is some kind of horrible star creature. And yet he's a cute, horrible star creature. I love him. It's true. I, I expect him to be my butt in a Kirby game and then secretly the final evil boss. Right? I want. <laughs> yeah. I expect him to turn upside down and now the true eye is like his normal, his head. Oh, no. <laughs> Other oh, eyes closed. God. <laughs> the inverted star. <laughs> The energy that Jirachi absorbs is slowly released into the earth, she continues to explain. Everything that grows in Farina feeds off of that comet energy. Wow. This is cool. We got like an ecosystem thing going on. Purple, purple lightning guns, however, erupt from the cave walls and erupt Jirachi in a sphere, pulling it upward to a giant machine Butler is standing on. Butler explains that most magicians would end on an obvious trick like making a Pokemon disappear, but he's going to make one reappear. He loads the star baby into his machine and pulls energy from the comet. Meowth goes, see that? Jesse goes, do you think I'm blind? James goes, that would explain the hair. And I sit here <laughs> thinking about, man, the, the, they had A-tier a material in every movie leading up to this. And this is all they can do now. I, I don't know. I think there's something really vicious about that from James. Why is yeah. James, like, Jesse's going <laughs> to toss him out of the fucking balloon. I know. Like, I, I thought Jesse's delivery was going to be the highlight of that bit and then james comes back with the backhand <laughs> <laughs> several cg levers rise up out of the platform on the machine butler standing on and other parts unfold to shoot lightning at the ground 
This is when I realized Butler should do drawings on Poke Mondays because his Groudon is looking pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Absol reappears underground in the cave with the others and starts destroying the purple barrier guns. Flygon flies up and destroys the two remaining ones. And then, the, and then the, they get on the Flygon and then they fly up after Butler. Specifically, it's going to be Ash, Max, and Pikachu. That's, a, that's our A team, the B team's everyone else. Anyways... Butler summons Salamence, so that way Flygon and Salamence could battle, but Flygon just flies away for a bit and then pulls back to the platform to drop off Max and Pikachu and then flies away for a bit. And then Max and Pikachu get Jirachi and then and then Flygon comes back and picks them up and flies off again. And I'm like, wait, where's our cool Charizard battle like in that movie? <laughs> This Look, is- Salamence's there is cool, but it's happening off screen and that's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. I genuinely thought we were leading into the awesome midair battle sequence from the third movie with Charizard, but with Salamence and Flygon. And instead, it's like Flygon just flies away. What did you expect? You <laughs> yeah, fool. Flies and then he's gone. And then he's gone. I was about to make that fucking joke. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Jirachi closes his true eye and wakes up as they escape on the Flygon. The rest of the crew walks out of the cave and meets up with the main crew. Flygon flies away. May was really worried about Max, which makes me go, then why did you let Max go up with the Flygon? What is your deal? A giant form starts raising, rising even, out of the giant shitty drawing. It is full of evil energy and then starts to vaguely materialize into Groudon. Butler, however, is floored because that Groudon looks real fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) A creator standing in horror of his own creation of how much it looks nothing like it's supposed to. It really must be Poke Mondays. (laughs) He typed in Groudon revived into an AIR generator and then didn't realize how fucked up the AIR generator was going to make Groudon. And he's going, oh, fuck. Oh, no. He's like, wait a minute. Groudon doesn't have tentacles, right? Groudon, is, is he even this big? Uh, he's pretty big. I don't know about this big. This is huge. I don't know about anime scale. Yeah. This might be a little bit too big. Yeah, this is, this is huge. Yeah, he, he, like, this thing would whip that whale's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, just eat it. Um, Groudon's vibes are so horrendous. He's sucking all the energy away from the earth. Then Groudon absorbs Absol using, like, a tentacle, then grows several more teal tentacles. And then just starts eating everything with these chaos-esque tentacles. It's horrible. Diane is hoping Butler has a plan, which makes me go, how do you know a man your entire life? (laughs) (laughs) And just have no idea the level he's coming in at, always. I gotta say, this is again become Princess Mononoke. And that really upsets me. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> it's so undeniable. <laughs> like, I've, I've got enough something wicked this way comes jokes lined up. I didn't, I didn't want to do this again. Team Rocket's floating past all this. They're really freaked out. Swablu distracts them. And they're like, oh, look at those Swablu. They're really freaked out. And a tentacle eats them. We show that the things inside are still alive. They're trapped in goo bubbles inside of Groudon. And this includes Team Rocket. This is kind of horrifying. Butler almost gets grabbed, but Diane shoves him out of the way. Butler yells after Diane in this highly emotional segment. And all I can think about is how much the zoom in on his face animation just looks like the Yaronaika face. Because <laughs> I am a broken oh my god! Human. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because, like, doesn't she yell, like, oh, I'm so glad the last thing I could see is yes, you? and this was it. And I'm like, you you two fucking deserve each other. <laughs> Everyone starts to freak out as the tentacles are coming for them. Butler takes off on Salamence, but Brock and May get nabbed immediately. Tentacles come for Ash, Max, and Pikachu, and Jirachi, but Jirachi uses his glowing eyes to yell and explode the tentacle, which is pretty cool. They escape and start running again. Salamence battles the Groudon a bit to hold it off, and Flygon finally shows up to help Ash, Max, and Pikachu escape. They fly through the caves, and then the tentacles are, like, racing them through the caves underground, and as the tentacles are closing in, Jirachi teleports them to safety, or as we call it in this movie, makes a wish. (laughs) (laughs) Butler catches up to them, which they're now all airborne flying through the sky. And they go, "Um, yeah, if they put Jirachi into the machine, this is Butler's great plan. And then we reverse the polarity. We could absorb the energy from Groudon. 
a tentacle immediately slaps Salamence. Butler falls down, but Jirachi makes yet another wish, and Salamence is teleported underneath Butler, so everything's fine. Jirachi explains Butler can't be a truly bad person if he wants to save Diane. We then cut to a bunch of humans trapped inside the goo. Butler flies back to the machine and he starts operating it. He now has to throw all of those CG levers that are like very distant and awkward from each other. So it's just a sequence of him running around the entire platform throwing one lever at a time. And then his dumbass, after doing all of this, drops the shard. Ash catches it while on the flygon, so it's whatever, I guess. And they put Jirachi into the machine. Groudon starts catching up with them. So Flygon and Salamence are going to play defense. They fly into the air. Flygon is a lady going, wow. Salamence is Godzilla. Groudon, <laughs> an elephant. <laughs> These are some sounds. Ash throws a switch and activates the machine. It makes the ground teal. Groudon does not like this at all because he hates the color green and convinced Sony to never release a green PS5 controller. That bastard. I knew I trust that fucking lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Smash cut to aggro wearing the stupid fucking team aqua headband. <laughs> a tentacle comes at Jirachi, but Butler takes the tentacle for him in a moment of self-sacrifice. Groudon starts getting really goopy and goops out all over Max Ash and Pikachu. Jirachi don't care though. He evaporates that shit while glowing and goes, ah, while flying at the camera. We have this sequence play out twice in a row because it's really great. And then he flies away and it turns out he's like doing a DBZ moment. Only instead of the Kamehameha, it is him flying Groudon up into the atmosphere to escape and into the comet. They explode and it begins raining stardust every Everywhere. Everyone and everything inside of the Groudon teleports to the ground. There's so many wishes. The source of the stardust in the sky turns out to be an ultra instinct Jirachi who floats down and then becomes normal again. Max says to Jirachi, you're the best. And Jirachi goes, no, Max, you're the best. I made a bunch of wishes and you made them all come true. Now, Max, will you grant me one final wish? I'm feeling so sleepy. I wish you'd sing that song for me. And then the crew goes, we can all grant the wish. And Jirachi says, that would make me happy. So everyone joins in on this <laughs> ancient cursed spell to put Jirachi to sleep that May apparently had handed down in her family line. And as they sing the lullaby, Jirachi becomes crystal and Max cries. The crystal is absorbed into the earth, which pulses with green energy. Max realizes that Jirachi will forever be inside his heart. Team Rocket's there and freaking the fuck out, thinking it's a trick from Butler that the ground is glowing green and an absolute nightmare rave show. But then they immediately transitioned to say, let's just say our wish. We all wish to feel like this forever, which makes no sense. And I didn't check out what the original line was in Japanese, but man, am I curious. This is the next day now, right? It's a clear cutoff moment. We cut to the bus. Butler and Diane and the main crew outside of it. Butler and Diane explain they're going to stay in this jungle mountain, but offer a ride back to town for the main crew. May says, wow, Diane, you got your wish. Ash doesn't understand what Diane's wish was. May realizes that she forgot to make a wish, like fold the final piece of the wishing star on the final night. There's a weird moment of like, that's okay that my wish won't come true because earning things is great. Yeah, wishes suck actually. Yeah, that was a weird moment <laughs> morally for the movie to go wishing isn't cool and you should earn everything in life. Look, I guess that the bad wish was him bringing back Groudon and he got the cursed Groudon. <laughs> So, <laughs> so we can't have any wishes now. Maybe that was the wish that went horribly wrong that the narrator... I mean, nothing with Butler goes well. He doesn't make plans. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he didn't wish for like a fucked up giant evil Groudon. <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah, but the monkey's paw curled, so he got a fucked up and evil Groudon. <laughs> yeah, curled and socked Butler in the stomach for sucking. Uh, they all start boarding the bus, and Jirachi speaks out to Max and says, he will never forget Max. They'll be best friends forever and ever. All I can think about is I hope Max isn't buried there when he dies because my brain is going wild with horrible theories about what Jirachi would do with the body. Oh, <laughs> right? I was God. waiting for his tiny hand to like come up out of the <laughs> ground and drag Max in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pet cemetery moment. 
Max walks away and we get a majestic shot of the caves and stuff while Lady sings. It's the same song in English and Japanese, but with different localized vocals. In English, some of the parts are still in Japanese. We get shots of the cast walking and what you might describe as a generic Pokemon sequence. May screams, who knows why. A dude finds them, gives them a ride. Dent Butler and Diane offer them a ride. What's going on? Credits over a starry sky. The crew looks up at the stars and sees Pokemon in the constellations. Worth noting, specifically Ursa Minor and Major, which become Teddy Ursa and Ursa Ring. This is funny. Laugh, damn it. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. I just thought it was cute. That was that was actually really great. None of the rest of them hit that hard, honestly, but that one was really, really good. Anyways, there are a bunch of shots of the main cast chilling, and there are a bunch of Pokemon constellations. Importantly, there is a Gardevoir constellation, where in after that, there's a Pikachu, and then we end, and the song ends in English by going, Make a wish, which they don't do in the Japanese version, and that's the recap, baby! Oh, they also don't do it in the movie, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You make a very valid point. That's it for Pokemon colon Jirachi colon Wishmaker. We need to get on to our segments. But before we do, did you know you can get the next episode of Pokemon Go to the Movies earlier? That's right. You can get it up to a month in advance by going over to patreon.com slash GB podcast, where you get access to a ton of things, uh, something like 900 commentary tracks. Not actually 900. It's just a huge number, and we struggle to keep track of it for various movies and an exclusive movie called Isolation 119. Anyways, back to the episode. Our first segment, The Whimsy Meter. On a scale of 1 to 10, how whimsical was this film? We're going to start with Chris. I'm feeling around a 6. There was definitely some whimsy with the journey and the circus and the lullaby. But then there was the, then there was the Akira monster at the end, <laughs> which kind of drags it down a little bit. Hmm. So I I, th- I feel like six is a pretty comfortable spot. Okay, uh, Shibuya. I don't know the entire like setting and the premise of the comet and the fairgrounds is pretty good whimsy. Uh, the entire like first three quarters of this movie, aside from a couple flashbacks of this man having a nightmare where he was naked in front of a huge <laughs> crowd, was just kind of fun and light and cheery. And yes, we have like an Akira monster at the end, but that bitch goes down so easy compared to some of the other monsters we've had in these movies. And, like, yeah, the ending's bittersweet, but it's whatever. I, f- I feel like this one's one of the more whimsical ones we've seen, honestly. I, I think I'd give it, like, a seven. Bob? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go pretty high on this. Like, they, all that circus stuff where they've made rides based on the Pokemon is super whimsical. And there's the Desert Butts Adventure, which is also pretty whimsical. And then they go to a magical forest. I'm gonna give this, like, a nine. Like, oh, wow. it's nothing but whimsy. There's, there's that mo- horrible monster, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Agro? Yeah, this one is pretty uh, balanced out by having polarized opposites. Like, you, you've got the whole something wicked this way comes carnival, which is whimsical as fuck, but it's sort of balanced by the other part of this movie being Jirachi, the horrible elder thing from beyond the stars, <laughs> awakening the, the dread Groudon <laughs> thing because the stars are right. So it, it really does sort of even out to about a six. Okay. Uh, I'm personally going to give it a seven because I think it is really, really whimsical, but it's weirdly intercut with like sawdust. (laughs) There's a lot of board and a bus on this field trip vacation with your parents in this whimsical film. There is also some horror at the end. But yeah, as Shibuya was saying, it goes down easy. Like it just Groudon's like, I'm sorry. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, they reversed the polarity. Something that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Look at girl. You can always reverse the polarity on any sort of scientific device and it fixes whatever it did wrong. Oh no. Oh no, he flipped that fossilized canister around? I guess that fixed the problem. <laughs> to be fair, I do believe Butler would screw something up with something as simple as that. <laughs> that man uh, can't get anything right because he hasn't rehearsed or practiced a day in his life, which is weird because he even referenced rehearsing this as a bit with Jirachi and other people multiple times. I don't buy it for a second. We're moving now to the dex check. Let me go ahead and read the full list of Pokemon that appear in this movie. Ash. (laughs) 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 Pikachu, Meowth, Wobbuffet, Halo, Trico, Corphish, Torchic, Beautifly, Fortress, Lotad, Mudkip, Jirachi, 
Mightyena, which I say Mightyena, but the movie says Mightyena, and I'm like, it's clearly a hyena. Anyway, currently a Dusclop, Salamence, Groudon, Absol, Vibrava, Vibrava, Flygon, Electrike, Poochyena, Tropius, Lanoon, Breloom, Swablu, Oteria, Nuzleaf, Agron, Shiftry, Minetric, Solrock, Electrike, Poochyena, Mewtwo, Entehoe-Oh, and the, the, like we're getting into the intro ones now, but uh, Fake Entehoe-Oh, Lugia, <laughs> Celebi, Latias, Latios, Kyogre, uh, sorry, Kyle Ogre, Groudon, Skitty, Delcaddy, Numel, Camerops, Shroomish, Bulbasaur, Vulpix, Beautifly, Wingle, and Butterfree. We got a lot of those during the intro, frankly. Anyways, that's the full list. We now need a dex check score. How good was the dex representation in this movie? This is a 1 to 10 scale. We're going to start with Dr. Agro. This movie is straight up quality over quantity. Uh, you, you've got the explosion of third gen onto the screen. There is a bunch of shit in here that is good stuff. Personally, for me, there's a lot of green Pokemon in this lineup. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things that uh, I might have in passing assumed were grass types that turn out to not be. <laughs> <laughs> and my infrequent reminder that Soul Rock is from third gen and not fourth That's gen. True, yeah. Something I consistently forget. So I'm going to give this one a nine. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, move on to Shibuya. I think the selection of Gen 3 Mons in this movie is fantastic, which is good because it is the first Gen 3 movie that's not just legendaries. But if we're not counting, like, the fireworks and the balloons and the festival, outside of that intro, mm -hmm. there's maybe two Gen 1 and 2 Pokemon in the entire rest of the film. Yeah. It's it's solid for introducing the new Gen because this is the first one post-launch of those games, but it is not a great dex check outside of that. So I'm going to have to give it a 5. I, I like the picks here, but it's not, you know, a, a whole smorgasbord. I'm also there with Shibuya. Uh, generally, most Pokemon make me fire neurons. I have given this really high dex checks for most of these films, but this one it feels like a distinct downgrade from the last movie. There's something about it that doesn't quite fire at that level. And yeah, that intro does have a lot of Pokemon, but we don't get to see a lot of Pokemon engage in the events of the movie. You know, it's basically a main cast of six or so Pokemon. Uh, slightly expanded at different moments. I'm going to have to give this like a seven. Yeah, I'm giving this a seven. Bob? Flygon's one of the main Pokemon. <laughs> so that immediately shoots this way up. Also, they have a, a blimp, like a, a balloon of a seagull, which is great. So I'm going to give it a nine. Bob, a, seag <laughs> uh, yeah. a, a seagull's a bird. That's not a Pokemon. <laughs> I keep saying that too, but he's putting them in the movies. <laughs> Uh, Chris, where's your dex check coming in at? This movie has Absol, it has Kirlia, it has Flygon, it has Dusclops. I'm going to give this an 8 because it has basically every third-gen Pokemon I think is cool in it. Okay, well, that, that's performing pretty alright for this movie. Let's go now to the gun check. Yes or no, would this movie better be solved with a gun? I'll go first. Yes, shoot the carny. Agro, you go next. <laughs> Wait, which one? Like Butler or someone else? Did Butler. I mean? <laughs> Butler. Look, nothing's going to happen if we shoot Butler. Diane might move on and find someone better. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's it's kind of more complicated than that. Like, at the point at which it's clear that you need to shoot Butler, <laughs> it's kind of already too late. Like, Diane could have Ritzikoed his ass, but she didn't have the balls. Absol can't operate small arms. He doesn't have thumbs or mm, fingers. I don't know. If Mighty Ena can strap a tracking device to a bus, I'm sure Absol <laughs> can figure something out. I don't think we should design a handgun that dogs can operate. <laughs> I feel like the Pokemon universe might do it, but you're right. We shouldn't. <laughs> If you give an Absol a gun, he becomes the harbinger of disaster in a new way when he appears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so controversially, I think I'm going to say no. The introduction of a gun would not have better solved this problem. Okay, Bob? Yeah, I, I feel the same way as Edgar. Like, I, by the time you could have shot him, it was too late. And also, I kind of feel like it goes against the, the theme of it, like... If you kill him, he's not a truly terrible dude. Like, there's supposed to be some sort of redemption arc for him, unlike most of the villains in these. 
Mm. So I feel like we can't just kill him. We, he's not like the Iron Mask whatever from the other movie where, <laughs> yeah, kill that dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're going to say no. Yeah, no. No. Okay. Uh, Chris? Mm. Bob makes a good point that while you could just shoot him in the face, mm. now I'm wondering how a gun would fare against Groudon. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that this whole time. I'm like, it seems kind of gooey. Would it just, like, pop and... Right, yeah. He's, he's huge and gooey. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would do, do nothing. You think he absorbs it? Yeah, like, I think it just goes through. It doesn't even affect him. Like, you bring out the tanks, even, it does that. It looks like one of those, uh, what is it, exercise gel bodies they used on Mythbusters all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, made of ballistic gel. Yeah, this is how Falling the Bullet made it in Groudon. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't reverse the polarity on a gun, so... You don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go with no. I don't think unless we drastically scale up what level of gun is allowed in this discussion. <laughs> Giant fucking rail cannons lift out of the ground like it's an Ava scene. <laughs> okay, well, this is how we defend our Pokemon city. So you can see now why crime has reduced. <laughs> no one wants to get shot by the building tall rail cannon. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just imagining the ground on remaking the scene where the angel stops a missile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like are we allowed to are we allowed to get one of those guns that have to be mounted on a boat because nothing on on ground can handle the recoil? <laughs> yes, but you have to mount it on like Kyogre or something, so it just shoots once and he spins slowly. <laughs> Shibuya, what are you thinking on the gun check? I think yes, but for different reasons than people are thinking. I think you're thinking a little too small here. And I think that if Butler had had a gun when Team Magma fucking laughed at him, things could have been very fucking different in this movie. Now, I'm not saying we need to shoot him. I'm saying if you give him the power to shoot somebody else, then the timelines change completely. That's all yeah. I could think about when Max is like, he should find a better way to get revenge. And I'm like, Diane, don't come to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, the movie doesn't have because Butler's in jail. Yes, exactly. And then Diane can still go find somebody better. Yay! Happy ending for everyone. Uh, if if we're doing the traditional sense, no. But I I think give Butler a gun and things would be different. So I'll I'll stick with yes on this. Hell yeah. Okay, that means we need to move on to our MVP segment. Who is the most valued Pokemon? Uh, I'll be generous. Chris, you can go ahead and start. Who's the MVP of this movie? Flygon, without a doubt. Why did I do that? Yep. Why did I do that? <laughs> Flygon, Congratulations, Chris. Flygon puts in work. He's not even a semi-legendary like Salamance. Right. He's not insanely OP like Salamance. But he, he gets the save. He goes a long time before he gets snatched. Yeah, and our main team doesn't have, like, their own Pokemon in this movie basically at all. So yeah. they, he becomes the Pokemon. Yeah, he he's the winner. At the same time, like, couldn't they not make a Mega Flygon because Flygon's so cool? <laughs> They're like, how do we improve on this? Right? Like, Flygon, I mean, he's, he's just the best in general. He, he's a ground dragon that looks like a grass bug. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just don't know what's coming. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, next we're going to go to Aggro. Aggro, who's your MVP? I think it's going to be uh, Dusclops. He is holding that magic show together by himself. <laughs> he is perfectly willing to hyperbeam two confused children in a box. <laughs> He's probably the reason that they're on the run. <laughs> uh, Butler's dumbass shouts a completely non-existent attack name at him, and he knows to use Will-O-The-Wisp on Team Rocket. He is an understated MVP. Okay. Uh, Bob, what are you thinking? Absol. Damn it. Okay. He's extremely raw. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's just true. <laughs> you can always faintly hear Linkin Park around this. <laughs> it's true. That's and why he I gets like him. out of the device, I think. Well, no, he breaks some of the tools. Yeah, he breaks he, the purple lightning shooting guns in yeah, the cave. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. Shibuya, who's your MVP? You know what? I'm... I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say it's the box legendary of the movie. I think Jirachi might as well be the MVP on this one. Jirachi <laughs> says he wants to go home, which is where all the important shit happens. Jirachi saves Butler's fucking life, even though he kind of doesn't deserve it. But, you know, he didn't have to. 
but he chose to, and I think that's very cool of him. Jirachi's just a fun little guy. He knows how to be whimsical, unlike some people in this movie, May. I like him. He's cute. (laughs) Yeah, Jirachi is really, really great. I hear he grants teleports. He does, yeah. One week out of every thousand years, he'll teleport anyone anywhere they want. (laughs) That's the legend. This is a very subjective category, so I'm going to need you all to sort of stand by as I say Tropius, because <laughs> Tropius is amazing, has bananas on its neck. No, you're and so goes, smart. Nom, 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 multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> it's such a good Pokemon. I love them. And the fact they were like, foreground, the subject of the shot, he is eating. Enjoy. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I did I enjoy. am. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a perfectly acceptable pick after we picked pretty much everybody who does anything in this movie. <laughs> Did we go a movie without picking Pikachu, actually? Uh, Pikachu did, like, a thing. Maybe two things in the entire film, but it was like, yeah, whatever, Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu gets Sirachi out of the device. Uh-huh. And also kills Team Rocket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, partially. Well, no. like, he, he, he shocks just, them. He and... gets Jirachi out of the device, and then he gets the other two Pokemon out of Team Rocket's hands. Yes. Yeah, so it, the Pikachu's really not pulling his weight this movie, that's for certain. Hmm. Well, we gotta move on to... Is Ash in a coma, yes or no? Do you think there's a a large amount of evidence in this film pointing to Ash being in a coma? We're going to go ahead and start with Shibuya. I think there is an argument to be made here that this is a coma movie because it's it's wish fulfillment could be like a stand-in for Make-A-Wish. I don't fucking know. And the big death Groudon (laughs) at the end could be a metaphor for him trying to come back from cardiac arrest or some shit. But... (laughs) While those arguments could be made, I personally don't fucking see it. I think this is just uh, whimsy fun times. And I don't think that if Ash is in a coma, he would ever invent a woman as tedious to deal with as May. It's a no for me. Oh, that's true. You have to wonder if the machinations of Ash's mind could create something as malevolent as May. Yeah, I feel like he wouldn't wish away Misty and replace her with May. Like, that seems... No. Hmm. Uh, Agro, what are you thinking? Oh, no, that, that that is entirely the hinge of my argument. The Misty that we are familiar <laughs> with is entirely a coma Misty. And the fact that she is gone is is number one on the list of evidence that this is Ash while he is actually awake. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, if this is Ash while he's awake, does that mean the coma happened? But this isn't it. Yes, that's what okay. I'm saying. But the answer's still no, because he's not in a coma in this film. Right. He is not currently in a coma. <laughs> okay, thank you for he's the clarification. between comas at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense with how much head trauma he gets in these uh-huh. films. That's true. May- maybe stop tackling things, Ash. <laughs> that's, that's why he never impacts anything after a fall in his comas. Because <laughs> <laughs> he never remembers it. Bob, what are you thinking? Is Ash in a coma in this film? <laughs> Not this time. I Also, I don't feel like he, in his coma, Max would be the main character and get the befriend for Jirachi. Again, mm, yeah. just other people butting in on his adventure. It's, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't check out in my head. Okay, Chris, does, does it make sense to you? No, I don't think he's in a coma. Man, this is the first time I think we're unanimous. There really isn't a single thing in this to point towards he's in a coma right now. <laughs> like the right now that is only now erupting into this segment. <laughs> like, like it's clear that most Gen 1 and 2 Pokemon are all in his head and he's woken up in this post-Gen 2 world. Ah, he woke up to Kino. I see. <laughs> Wait, is that why I couldn't trade my Gen 2 to Gen 3? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. They were never real. <laughs> oh no! It's okay, Sentry. You were real in my heart. <laughs> we're now going on to Arceus Ex Machina, the segment that, on a scale of 1 to 10, rates how conveniently this movie came together at the end. Is it a real Deus Ex Machina moment that saves the day at the very end? We'll go ahead and start with Bob. I don't think it's really strongly that at all. Like, we have the establishment of this is going to last seven days right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And not that much happens during the movie mm-hmm. that needs to be forgotten about or changed. Or reset. Or reset or anything. Like, it it seems very normal. I'm going to give it a two. Okay. I'm also feeling that. Obviously, this is all a work of science. He reversed the polarity. You all heard him explain it. 
there's nothing magical or mystical about the ending of this movie. They just reverse the polarities. That's just science. Agro, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, this this is all very perfectly self-contained. There's nothing we need to cover up or forget about for the series. Even the carnival itself in the morning will be gone without a trace or a paper trail <laughs> or any taxes paid. <laughs> well, especially not those, Jesus. <laughs> I, I think I'm ready to give this a one. This This just loops all on its own. Chris, what are you thinking? Yeah, there's no RCSX Machina this time, unless we're going to count any Star Trek-esque technobabble as as being <laughs> that, which I, I'm not ready to commit to. Is that a one or a two? <laughs> one. Shibuya? I'm also giving it a one. It's just its own little self-contained thing. It didn't have to go out of its way to end it, because from the start, they just say, hey, this is a week. Oh, look, the week's over. Bye. <laughs> credits lever is pulled just okay well we're gonna start wrapping things up with a rating on a scale of one to 386 because this is a third gen movie (laughs) how good do you think this film was we're gonna go ahead and start with aggro just gotta finish doing my arithmetic here I know I've said this before. I'm saying it again. You ever just want to end your fun conversational podcast with a math assignment? I did my homework at home like I was supposed to. <laughs> well, good for you, Shibuya. You get a gold star. Thank you. Woo. I, I am going to give this third gen movie a seventh gen score. Uh, this is going to get an Xbox 360. Oh, wow. Wow. That is a really high score. Did you, did you want to explain your score? <laughs> No, that that uh, that thing that bit speaks for itself. <laughs> okay, thank you, Chris. What rating are you giving this movie out of one to three hundred and eighty-six? I'm going to give it a three hundred and seven. I thought it was pretty delightful most of the time. It lost some points because it felt like the fight against the kaiju went on. It, there was a lot of flying around and shooting it with things that didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, when we got to that part of the movie and we had like 20 minutes or 30 minutes left, I was like, how? Yeah, <laughs> so it lost some points from that, but overall pretty strong. Okay, uh, Bob? I'm not as positive on it. I think it was better than the Salaby movie by a lot, but it's not that great in general. <laughs> Would this be improved by Jirachi becoming wilted? <laughs> No, it really wouldn't. Of the Pokemon Inokes, you're saying this is the better one. (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to give it a 250. I have no idea if that actually like rates properly with the other one. Oh, let me let me see. So you said this one was better Uh than than, than the Celebi one. Um, Would you say it's over twice as good? Probably. There you go. This is good good enough. You did. Yes. It's real messed up that we lost Misty, though. Yeah, she won one race, and then they're like, "Get out!" <laughs> she did it. She was a she was a woman in Pokemon who got a dub. That was it. She had to go. She had to keep her record. She had to go. Ash can't deal with that on an ego scale. That he's like, I, I feel so bad that I exploded on Misty and he kicked her out of the friends group. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Shibuya, what are you thinking on a scale of one to three eighty six? I I think this one's. A fun time. It's it's good fluff for when you just want a fun movie. I think it's not it's not bad by any means. It doesn't have the same issues as like forever, but it, it's not the sort of thing where I'd actively go back and I would really want to rewatch it. So I'm giving it a 300. I think that's right about where I'm sitting on it. Okay, 300. There we go. I genuinely did not like this movie. This is the only one so far that I very super distinctly not enjoyed at all. I am definitely the most negative on it. I'm going to give it 108. I don't know. It's like I feel like the decks could be better representation. I feel like we could have more things to do on the seven days. I feel like there could be a few moments that loop a little bit less. There could be more clever conclusion to the movie. The Flygon Salamence battle could be cool like Charizard. I want to see Salamence get choke slammed. That's what I'm saying here, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it 108. That's that's the score we're going to go with. Wow, this is a bunch of numbers in a spreadsheet. Not, not that I'll tell you any of them. <laughs> Feel free to figure that out in the comment section. And we will see you next time on Pokemon Go to the Movies. Crap, I forgot to say the new catchphrase. I'll master your balls next time on Pokemon Go to the Movies. We're going to workshop this.
Someday we'll find a good one. <laughs> All right, your homework for this week. Everyone bring a potential for next recording. <laughs> we'll just read them in a row. <laughs> <laughs>